Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There are few areas of nutrition as deeply rooted in society as fermented dairy. Foods such as yogurt, cheese, and kefir made by fermenting milk with live bacteria have long been a staple of healthy diets. Now, kefir is a fermented drink derived from the Turkish word for joy and pleasure, which dates back as far as 10,000 BC and is loaded for its ability to improve digestion and boost immune systems. Fermented dairy can be rich in probiotics. That's live bacteria that nourish your gut, made up of trillions of microorganisms that live in your intestinal tract and govern everything from how well you digest the food you eat to the way your body absorbs nutrients. Yo Valley Kefir is lovingly made with organic British milk and 14 distinctive strains of lactic cultures for maximum gut flora diversity. Creamy and tangy, it literally packs billions of live bacteria in every spoonful. Available in natural, mango and passion fruit, blueberry and strawberry flavours, the daily boost you need to try is in the yogurt aisle at all the major supermarkets. To find out more, head over to yovalley.co.uk. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. There's no doubting it. Gluten has been a widely discussed topic for years now, and the spotlight on it doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. With so many people weighing in on the topic, it can be hard to sort fact from fiction when it comes to gluten. As a result of the overabundance of information and mixed messaging, gluten is actually being eliminated from the diet, with many hoping it will benefit their health. However, those who need to remove gluten from their diet are those who are affected by the autoimmune disease, celiac disease. That affects an estimated 1% of the UK population. So what is the best practice when it comes to gluten? Should we be eating it after all? And what needs to be considered if you have an allergy or celiac disease? Joining me here today is my old lecturer from Roehampton University, Dr. Avon Jeans, whose research focuses on dietary management, particularly in food allergies and celiac disease. 
Hello, Yvonne. Hello, Rhiannon. Oh my goodness, it feels so bizarre to have one of my old lecturers opposite me now. Thank you for coming on. No, thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to come and talk all gluten with you. Yeah, I know. I know. I think first off, there is so much misinformation out there about it, isn't there? And I think unless you have a medical necessity, it isn't exactly bad, is it? No, not at all. Gluten's just a protein that's in wheat, and we've been eating wheat for over ten thousand years. Um, but like you say, if you've got a medical necessity, then yes, gluten can be bad for you. Um, but generally, no, it's fine for um, everyone else. And that's kind of incredible to hear. So it is just a protein that you find in wheat, yet for some bizarre reason, it's been really blown out of proportion. So what products out there would contain gluten? Well, that's a good question. So gluten's found in what we say wheat, barley and rye products. But that would be things such as, wait for the long list... <laughs> Breads, pastas, noodles, pizza bases, cakes, pastries, biscuits, a lot of sauces, uh, beer. You know, it's extensive when you look into what gluten is found in cereal bars, breakfast cereals. It, it literally is everything that tastes pretty nice, actually, when you when you reel off that list as well. So often you can see that there are recommendations in places to go wheat-free, but they can still contain gluten. That's where it gets a bit confusing, isn't it? That's right. So we, if you're going wheat-free, for example, if you have a wheat allergy, then you can still eat things with barley in and rye in. Um, so things that are wheat-free can contain gluten, yes, yeah. Right, so it just kind of seems to be extremely, extremely restrictive, to be honest, then, if you are taking gluten out and you don't need to be. Yes, I mean, that's one of the things. So people with celiac disease have to be completely gluten-free, and that is a major lifestyle change. So for someone who's not particularly interested in food or cooking or anything like that, suddenly they've got to be looking at food labels, asking in restaurants... Um, and really making substantial changes. It's improved a lot over the last few years. There's a lot more availability and a lot more talking about gluten-free. So there's big benefits to people with celiac disease as the, the variety of gluten-free products that are now available. Yeah, I think even since I was at university and you probably conducted this very lecture, there's more options out there for people. Uh, why, why do you think it's become such a popular topic? How on earth has this happened? Personally, I find it fascinating that it has. I'm in a little bit of an academic scientific bubble and I understand what gluten is and gluten-free living. Um, and I've gone online and I'm astounded by the amount of uh, nonsense related to gluten. Gluten for weight loss, gluten allergies, um, promoting gluten-free lifestyle without really understanding what it means. Um, yeah. and the implications of taking gluten out of your diet. Do you think it's a celebrity kind of thing, maybe, or something along those lines? There's definitely celebrities out there promoting gluten-free and their own gluten-free lifestyle. And in all honesty, it might work well for them. They might have a slight intolerance to gluten, a slight sensitivity. Um, but to remember, they've got the budget to help them develop a diet that works for them, personal trainers for activity, stress relief... A whole package. Oh, they've got that dream 360 degree lifestyle, <laughs> don't they? I think that's the thing. You mentioned weight loss there as well. And then a lot of misconceptions around that. It's something that's been so widely associated with going gluten free. But you quite rightly said there isn't really much truth in that. So how on earth is, is it because people perhaps give up more junk food when they go gluten free? That's a really good point. Um 
As we've mentioned, gluten's in a lot of things. So if you take gluten out of your diet, there's a lot of things you take out of your diet. And remembering back, I said it's just a protein. So it's not a magic bullet of take out that one protein and suddenly weight loss is going to happen. Mm. It's more about the consequences of taking gluten out of the diet, what it actually means to your overall diet. So suddenly those snacks or the biscuits in the office aren't available to you anymore. And you have to go out and purchase your own or bring your own snacks in. Um, and that will have an impact. So you're actively reducing the amount of food you're eating. Um, and also it's a bit lower carbohydrate usually. So that could have an impact on the energy consumption as well. So They're really good points to make, actually, because especially when there weren't so many gluten-free options. So you, let's say someone that chooses to be gluten-free goes away on holiday there is no gluten-free bread probably somewhere abroad. They may not have the option. Straight yeah. away, they've reduced their energy intake. That's it. And parties and um, all sorts of situations where it's difficult to eat gluten-free. And that's one of the things when we talk to people with celiac disease, the social implications of being gluten-free can be really tricky. But one point I would like to make is that there is an a gluten-free diet. So that people could be consuming a gluten-free diet and having lots of whole grains, homemade breads, um, lots of fruits and vegetables, very minimally processed. Or someone could be going down the route of lots of processed gluten-free products. Lots of snacks are available now, so you could be st um, stocking up on high-energy, high-sugar foods. Um, so I think in the modern era, gluten-free diet can be very different to what it was 10 years ago let's say yeah I, I think that must be true and I, I remember something that just came into my head here it's not even on my thought through list of questions to ask you but I remember you saying that especially for perhaps children going to children's parties I remember you bringing this up in a lecture it's so clear now funny deja vu kind yeah. of moment and you were saying imagine if you were a child that actually had to be gluten-free and there aren't so many options around you it can be quite dangerous if you have celiac disease for instance Yes, completely. So someone who has celiac disease has to be gluten-free. So the gluten, um, if someone with celiac disease, if they consume gluten, it has an inflammatory effect. It reacts with the, your own immune system, um, attacks your intestine. So it's really important to be gluten-free if you've got celiac disease. Um, and we talk about eating in a social setting and all the implications of going gluten-free with maybe a dietitian or a nutrition, registered nutritionist. Um, but that might not be the case if someone's just seen it on a website and decided to go gluten-free for other reasons. Oh, I know. And when you said other reasons as well, I mean, there are there is no evidence, is there, to, is it that it's healthier or has health benefits? No. So if we're looking at weight loss or general healthiness, there's no real benefits. There's no evidence at all to say gluten-free will help. There's a proportion of the population that might have a gluten sensitivity or gluten yeah. intolerance. Um, and it's also sometimes termed non-celiac wheat sensitivity or non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And for those people, reducing the amount of gluten in their diet may make them feel better. The symptoms of a gluten sensitivity are wide ranging. They can be gastro symptoms, bloating or... Uh, diarrhea or general discomfort there also something called brain fog or tiredness really? mm. um, and removing gluten or parts of uh, proportionally reducing their gluten can make them feel better the the difficulty we've got with this condition in the medical community is we don't have a diagnostic procedure so we can talk about how you feel before and after one of the things i would like to say is if you're eating gluten some food with gluten in and it gives you symptoms get yourself checked out for celiac disease 
1% of the population have celiac disease, but only 30% are diagnosed. There's a large proportion of people living in the UK who will have celiac disease but aren't diagnosed. So to get yourself to a GP if you feel like you've got symptoms from consuming gluten. And when the GP goes, that's extremely important advice. If you are feeling that something isn't quite right, often it's best, rather than hesitating, at least to go and ask and, and get, a, a, to get a second opinion. What sort of test would a GP run to diagnose something like celiac disease? So one of the main things is you have to eat gluten food for a number of weeks beforehand. So that can be quite a tricky situation to be in, but it's really important because the tests that are involved are only accurate if you're consuming gluten. And then it will be a simple blood test. So it looks at the reaction to your body from consuming gluten. And it can go on to a biopsy, but that's not always done as well. But there's okay. some good tests to diagnose celiac disease. And isn't this when uh, it becomes a little bit tricky? Because you've mentioned two other terms as well, um, which you describe gluten sensitivities and intolerances. Because I see a lot of people in the nutrition clinic coming in with these test results, which I can see your face going. I'm just going to let you fire away about these, these home test kits or certain types of therapy test kits? I'd say they're probably very lucrative for the people that are selling them. Mm. And I understand where they come from, um, for someone who opts to take a test because uh, going to your GP, there might not be, there's not a diagnostic test for gluten sensitivity. It's symptom-based and trying to, excluding the concept that it might be celiac disease. And if it's not celiac disease, but you still have symptoms, we're not saying it doesn't exist. We're just saying we don't have a diagnostic test. We don't know what causes it there's lots of question marks and that leaves it ripe for companies and to um, make the most of this opportunity to make money and put tests out there that really aren't scientifically they proven. They can cost Yvonne some of the clients I've had have spent 400 500 pounds on these IgG test kits uh, I mean and there's no evidence that IgG works. No let's explain if you could explain to our listeners in a communicatable way, what IgG is. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, when we're looking at food allergies, okay, we look at something called IgEs and uh, antibodies that react to that food protein. So there's, there's, we've briefly mentioned wheat allergy, there's milk allergy, and they might have an IgE response. Now, the companies offer an IgG, mm. and that has no reflection. It's more likely to say that you have been consuming those foods, and that's what's in your diet it doesn't mean you have any symptoms against them at all they really um there's been people that have had these tests on numerous occasions and they bring up different allergies each t sorry different intolerances mm. each time so yeah. i'd be very wary of those tests and the, the money's just on them is just not worth it thank you so much for clearing that up because i just think so many people fall if you are desperate and you're at home and of course if you feel pain or discomfort you just want an answer and i think as a human being sometimes when you know what's going on psychologically it's just a little bit easier isn't it to deal with it but if you're given an inaccurate diagnosis it can be so restrictive i mean if we go back to what when we're looking at a gluten-free diet so you've come up and you've decided to exclude gluten You've got to look at the things that aren't in the diet as well. Yes. So what are the risks then of suddenly eliminating this whole food group from your diet? 
What we've looked at in the scientific papers, looking at saying there's a reduction in whole grains. And we know whole grains are really good for, for example, cardiovascular disease prevention. Also, we know people who exclude gluten have different microbiota in their gut. Mm. And we've heard lots about microbiota and all the wealth of things it can um, have effects on. We don't know what the implications are. All we know is there's a change in gut microbiota if you take gluten out of the diet. So that's a whole area that scientists and researchers are actively looking into. The other aspect, and this is quite, I find this quite interesting, is um, the UK, we get most, a uh, third of our calcium and iron from cereal products. Fortified flour, wheat flour by legislation has to have calcium it has to have some b vitamins and iron that's not the case for gluten free so people with um, gluten out of their diet have less calcium and iron coming into their diet and at Roehampton we're analyzing gluten-free foods at the moment seeing how much calcium is in them and it sounds obvious but there's not many fortified and those that aren't fortified have a lot less in so reductions in calcium you're looking at potential osteoporosis reductions in iron you're looking at potential anemia fatigue but obviously they're foods we're looking at and if you've got a good rest of diet you can make up those nutrients from other sources yeah but that is quite when when you were discussing that especially the calcium component so um, as we're recording this episode, I'm five and a half months pregnant, which is very exciting. Congratulations! Thank you. It's it's incredible. But I was I was doing my um, going back over the notes on the course I did on pre pre and postnatal this year, and the calcium is a thousand up from seven hundred um, milligrams a daily intake. And I've got a friend actually, and we were discussing this, who is dairy free and gluten free, and actually to get the calcium requirements for her was tricky we were going through all these different options from soy products tofu we were looking at a can of sardines what that contains and you are very right in saying that people do not realize those little vitamins and minerals that you'll be deficient on it's not just all about the the main carbohydrate that's it i mean we don't necessarily know we don't look at our food and go oh there's the nutrients here and there we look at food as food and that's a good way to be um, but when you start taking out food groups, there's implications involved. And calcium and iron are definite ones if you're removing gluten, especially if you're not consuming much dairy as well. You'd probably be needing a supplement of sort. And I don't advocate supplements lightly, mm. but you're going to really struggle to get enough nutrients otherwise. Yeah, and it's also very difficult for us as health professionals over a podcast um, vortex to say supplementation of course because everyone's so unique they've got bespoke requirements and we always have to put that out there that we can't say over the over the podcast that this is what you need to have but do you think that's why there's now an increase in cases because more people are giving it up and they don't really need to be does that affect the increase in rates of sensitivity or intolerances that's a really good question yeah yeah, yeah. there's increased celiac disease mm. and we don't really know why yeah. Um, and increased intolerances, increase in allergies overall. And we really don't know why. It's such an interesting area and there's so much that needs to be done. We don't know what causes the intolerances. Um, so it may, it may be that we are recognising it a little bit more to, um, previously. I mean, the gluten intolerance, it was first highlighted in the medical literature many, many years ago. But it's only in the last 10 to 15 years that it's been 
had more traction and there's a mm. lot more research going into it. God, it's such a new emerging science. And as you mentioned before, with, with the microbiota in the gut, perhaps it is the effect that the microbiota is having. We just don't know. We need a lot more research, don't we? Definitely. Um, and I think turning to celiac disease again, because we know that this is 1% of the population, but like you said, it was only 30% of cases that are actually reported. It's obviously a bigger problem. I think people need to understand this is very different from IBS. It's an, it's an IBD. No. Well, it's an inflammatory condition. So could you explain an... that for everyone? Yes, I will do. So yeah. celiac disease is actually an autoimmune condition. Right. So someone with celiac disease has a genetic predisposition and there's some sort of environmental influence that might trigger them to then go and have mm. developed the celiac disease. In consuming the gluten, their body's immune system then attacks their, their gut lining and causes inflammation. So, and it can be tiny amounts of gluten, really tiny amounts. There's, that's the, the only treatment option for someone with celiac disease is to follow a gluten-free diet for life. Mm. It's not something they can dip into or out of. And that's one of the things going to a restaurant. You have to be able to have full confidence that the way the foods are prepared, there's no cross-contamination. So, for example, the gluten-free pizzas aren't being baked and prepared next to the gluten-containing pizzas. Um, for another example would be toasters. So you, there's toaster bags for gluten-free bread, so because toast crumbs in a toaster can have an impact. Goodness, and this is when it is such a severe thing, and this is why it's so important we we really do identify that, as you said, it's an autoimmune. It's nothing to do with what we call IBS. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Correct, correct. So what, if you want to give a little our listeners a little overview on IBS and how it couldn't be further from what you've just described. IBS is a condition that has, um, like again, we don't know huge amounts about it, but we know things such as reducing um, what we call FODMABs, fructose, and things that can have an impact on the gut um, can help a proportion of people. Um, and once again, the... The diagnosis of IBS is more symptom related. It's definitely there. It's definitely real. 
Um, but we don't have a specific blood test or something like that that we no. could look at. And it's not immune related. It's not our body attacking itself as far as I'm aware. Yeah, no. And that's so important to note because for some people out there, it, it's so debilitating when you possess that. When you have celiac disease, like you said, you have to go that extra mile. And I wonder how we can get a better understanding in the UK population. What, what can we do? I- we need lots of awareness. I mean, there's so many different conditions out there that are under-researched and along those lines, but being really clear that someone with celiac disease isn't just removing gluten because they fancy it, it's because they have to remove gluten. And the gluten-free diet in itself can be quite expensive. Mm. So if someone has a medical treatment, they aren't choosing to remove gluten from their diet. They are being told that's the only way to keep healthy is excluding gluten. And we've done a little bit of research looking at where you can buy gluten-free foods. And it's predominantly premium stores. As we, if anyone that looks out there in the general marketplace, you see anything with gluten-free, they add an extra pound or two on yes, or more. Yes, they do. Yes. Um, so if it's not someone's choice, then it really um, has an impact. And quite often it goes in families as well. So more than one person in a family will be gluten-free. I mean, if you look at budget stores, supermarkets and corner shops, you won't see the gluten-free food. So someone who would habitually shop there would then need to start shopping in more premium stores to be able to access that range that we see in the in the supermarket shelves, uh, mainly in the more premium stores. How frustrating. And it goes to show again that if you're not in a position of privilege where your weekly shop is something that doesn't completely stress you out, let alone having something like celiac disease, that's a huge, huge weight on your shoulders financially. Definitely. And one of the other things that looking at celiac disease, you can get gluten-free foods on prescription. The government guidance is that you can have gluten-free bread and gluten-free breads and flour mixes. However, it's a complete postcode lottery. Some areas you can, some areas you can't. Some it's only in children you can get the gluten-free foods. So it really depends on where you are, whether you can access gluten-free foods on prescription. And a study we did a couple of years ago now on about 400 people with celiac disease, those that received the gluten-free food on prescription were much more likely to adhere to the gluten-free diet, much better for their health. Um, And that helped influence the government decision making, saying, you know, it really makes a difference. If you can access gluten-free foods, you're more likely to be able to adhere to the diet. Well, your quality of life as well, surely. All those all those sorts of things are so, are so, so effective. I didn't know that. That's really blown my mind. And I think also when it comes to reading labels, that can be extremely confusing. So, because gluten isn't just present in foods and drink, there's so many things. What do you have to look out for? How do you identify an item that doesn't contain gluten? There's, there's two main things to look for. So when looking on the food label in the ingredients, it will be in bold. So you need to look at all the foods, all the words that are in bold and things that say wheat or barley or rye along those lines. But also in the may contain is another aspect that you need to look at. If it may contain wheat, then you need to think it's probably in a situation where cross-contamination could have happened. Another interesting fact is looking at oats. So oats aren't, they don't contain gluten. However, the process going from the field, going through the factories and getting bagged up and put on our shelves, there's a lot of cross-contamination. So you'll see gluten-free oats, which is a bit of a misnomer because they're gluten-free anyway. But what it means is they're not contaminated with gluten. And they're the only oats that are available for people with celiac disease. 
because expensive it's expensive oats. Expensive oats, indeed, indeed. There, it's fascinating because looking at the industry on a whole, in 2017, I've got a stat here that said the global gluten-free market was valued at $4.70 billion. I mean, do you see this marketplace growing then? I'm finding it really interesting. I, I think the, the only thing we know, there's going to be change. That's the you know the yeah. inevitable, and I cannot see the gluten free market forever increasing because we don't have a scientific basis for a, a large proportion of people to be removing gluten from their diet. It is a lifestyle choice, I'd say, from a, a proportion of the population at a premium. If you put a, if the manufacturers say something's gluten free, they often charge more for it. There's various reasons because of what they have to do and mm. non-wheat flours can be more expensive and the other things that go in um so my gut feeling is that it won't carry on increasing i don't have a crystal ball I no. love one of those. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure we all would but it's absolutely fascinating because the way they are advertising often they're also advertised gluten-free products i don't know if you've noticed this as naturally free from or it's a more natural product because it's gluten-free completely it's um marketing at its best is what I'd say. They've noticed there's a proportion that are willing to pay for more, in verticals, natural products. And gluten-free is perceived to be healthier, but there's no evidence for it if people aren't medically, haven't got medical reason to exclude gluten. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's clever marketing. It, a lot of the things with the food industry, and this is where I think I've learned so much even having this podcast, is speaking to different people in different fields of research and seeing how unbelievably mind-blowingly clever the food industry can be in literally tricking us to believe something is a good or a bad item of food. And that's something we're trying to remove a stigma from. I know as health professionals in general, all food has a purpose. Like you said, I'm sure a lot of our listeners had no idea that items that were as their whole self before they became gluten-free contain more calcium or iron. It's these small little things that are so important. So it kind of leads me on to questions we've got from from followers today for you so you won't have seen these um charlotte has asked my daughter wants to go gluten-free even though she doesn't need to how can i persuade her not to oh that's a difficult one the first thing i think of is asking why she wants to go gluten-free is it peer pressure people around her she's seeing it online influencers saying gluten-free is the way to go forward um and explaining if you want to keep a healthy diet, an overall diet, these are the things that would need to be included in your diet as well um, to make sure, because you could have a healthy gluten-free diet. Many people do, mm. but it just takes a bit more time and a bit more thought. And maybe going gluten-free for a week and realising the repercussions of it to making sure that diet is full of good nutrients Maybe enough to decide not to do it. But, Perhaps you know, financially too, depending on the age. I don't know, Charlotte, how old your daughter is, but it sounds like it's more expensive. Definitely more expensive and there's no real benefit. And I think exploring the reasons why and maybe having a look um, at the evidence behind, you know, that, or having a realisation that there's no good scientific evidence, there's no reason to exclude the protein. No, because, um, sorry, I'm interrupting the follower question round, but if we look at severity of things, especially like celiac disease, it can be so severe. 
can you give a kind of range? Does it range on a spectrum sometimes, or does everyone have this condition, have the same symptoms? That's a really good question. So people with celiac disease, some people have no symptoms at all, and it's picked up on uh, blood tests for something else. They might have mild tiredness or mouth ulcers, and then it can be picked up. Um, it can be... Um, at the other end of the spectrum, it can be um, chronic tiredness, debilitating tiredness, um, because you're not absorbing your nutrients. You're not absorbing your iron, so you're chronically fatigued and anemic. Um, but also it could be diarrhoea. It could have very severe gastro symptoms. So someone with celiac disease may consume gluten and realise it instantly. Somebody else with celiac disease could consume gluten and not have any symptoms at all. Um, wow. So it's quite interesting. And there's other aspects. So it's not just gut-related, as I've mentioned earlier, that it could be something considered like brain fog, where you're just not able to process information so well, chronic headaches. And there's also something called glutenataxia, which has a huge impact on balance and ability to walk. Um, and that's been shown to... It's linked to celiac disease, taking gluten out of the diet, balance conditions all improve substantially um, and then going on if you're not diagnosed and you can someone with celiac disease who continues to consume gluten they're not absorbing nutrients and there's cases of things such as osteoporosis which can be debilitating because over many years not having enough calcium going into the body for the bones there's infertility because the micronutrients aren't absorbed um, so for those aspects um, a gluten-free diet are crucial Goodness me, that is so informative and so fascinating and it does definitely go to show if you have any concerns and I hope this podcast will help with that. Please do go and ask your GP. Um, and it leads me on to the next question which you've touched on but we can go into a little bit further. Lizzie has said, I've always loved porridge but I have a gluten allergy so we can discuss what an allergy here. Are oats okay to eat or not? That's an interesting one for two reasons. The gluten allergy part, if you go online, you see lots about gluten allergy. People have gluten allergies. In the, in the medical term, there's no such thing as a gluten allergy. Okay, so you could have a wheat allergy um, and or you can have a gluten intolerance mm. or obviously celiac disease, which is an autoimmune condition. If we're talking about consuming gluten and having symptoms afterwards and you've been checked out for celiac disease, that's the first thing, um, then oats, some of them, as I mentioned, do contain contaminated with gluten. So it might be a case that you want to try gluten-free oats um, and see if that helps. But I would say if you haven't been checked out for celiac disease, to get checked out first. Yeah, there seems to be a very overarching message here. Definitely always get checked. And Lydia has said, oh, this links again, I suffer badly from bloating. Should I go gluten-free? Everyone else is. Oh, good question. Um, do you know what? When you take gluten out of the diet, you take wheat out of the diet. And wheat's got something called fructans as well. And they can have an impact on bloating. Um, so by taking wheat out of the diet, you might feel better. Um, I'd say give it a go in that sense. See if it improves. Um, but being aware that you are taking out some of the, the calcium and iron as well, making sure you've got that in your diet. Yeah, very, very good advice here. And Georgia has said, I'm hoping to lose some weight. Well, you know, we discussed this earlier, Georgia, but will avoiding gluten help me drop a couple of pounds? The crux of it is, yes, but it's not because you're taking the gluten out. It's because you're changing your diet substantially and not having easy access to yeah. many foods. Yeah. Um, and Elsie has said, I live, my flatmate is celiac. Um, we love cooking together. Do you have any useful tips? 
oh that's interesting yeah that's tough that's really tough mm. I, I mean I guess it depends on the severity like you mentioned before the symptoms and there is so if you're looking to I was thinking of things you could cook gluten free that uh, you, don't, you don't want any cross contamination I know there's some lovely websites out there with people who are bakers and have got fantastic ideas about yeah. how to improve the quality of the the gluten-free products that you're yeah. making. Um, I think stocking your kitchen maybe, um, because sometimes the compromise isn't too bad. I, I think a good example of, I mean, like soy sauce contains gluten. I don't think people realise, but you can get, is it tamari? Is the soy sauce without gluten? I'm not sure off the top yeah. of my head. But... Any listeners, please do comment on this podcast and let me know, because I'm sure there'll be lots of you out there that are obviously living this type of lifestyle. But that brings me on to the fact or fiction round. Exciting. <laughs> So, Yvonne, I would like you to answer fact or fiction to the following questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Food containing gluten contributes to weight gain. False. Gluten adds protein to your diet. True. One in 100 people in the UK are celiac. True. Gluten allergies have risen in the last 15 years. That's... I'd say that's not true. Celiac disease has been increasing and gluten intolerance has. So. Ah, and maybe because more people are aware, perhaps. Quite Again, possibly, yeah. I don't know. Um, removing gluten will help your gut health. False. It will change it. Who knows? For oh. better or worse. Oh, I'm excited about that research now. That's, that's, interesting. that's a very fascinating area. You'll feel more energised going gluten-free. If you've got an intolerance to gluten or if you've got celiac disease and one of your symptoms is tiredness, removing gluten can help. But if you don't, then it wouldn't have any impact. There we go. There is more gluten in products today than in the past. False. There's When I was looking through the, the wheat, we've been, in, um, over the many years that we've been cultivating wheat, We've been getting bigger grains of wheat. It's better to harvest, easier to harvest, but that means predominantly more starch. Okay, right. so and it's a fascinating area, and I'm not an expert in complete wheat um, cultivating and things like that. But what I understand for baking um, breads, we need hard wheat, and that has more gluten in it. And the gluten's really good to make the the bread that squidgy sort of um, texture that's very soft and nice. Um, but when we're looking at cakes and pastries, we want soft wheat. And that has more starch and less protein. Oh, that food manufacturing side and things like that. I had no idea. How interesting. Um, gluten causes leaky gut. False. Um, I'm going to ask you about that after this quick fire round. Gluten-free products can be worse for you. True. They've, there's. It depends what you compare with. You know, like for like. It's, it's... One in ten people in the UK avoid gluten. I don't know. Yeah, that is a that is a tricky I don't one. Know. I can't remember where I pulled that one from. Um, we'll just call that an in between answer there. <laughs> well, like, that was a brilliant quick fire round. Can we go back to leaky gut because it's something that people ask about a lot? Perhaps you could just explain what it is, or if it is a recognised thing or, or vague. I'll have to be completely honest. It's not an area that I know much about. Yeah. No, I do understand that um, there's different. Uh, terms for leaky gut and what people think it means um, but our gut is what I would say is amazing and adapting and um, we don't just break everything down and absorb it we can uh, we absorb uh, what I call peptides so small proteins as well as the really small bits um, 
I'll have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating area. I think um, there's a lot of also talk on the internet, which kind of leads me on to wrapping up this episode, but finishing with today's Food for Thought. And I will start mine by actually saying there is a lot on the internet, um, as with leaky gut, but just especially with gluten. And I really think if you're debating a gluten-free lifestyle for health benefits, I would just encourage you to look at your whole lifestyle on the whole and really take on board the advice that Avon has shared on this podcast. Really focus instead, perhaps, if you don't need to be gluten-free, on, on your balanced diet, getting your food groups, you know, your whole lifestyle of exercise and sleep to support your energy levels too, because there's so many aspects that can help improve your health rather than removing a food group. So I implore you to keep it in your diet if you don't need to remove it. Um, taking it out can be extremely uh, difficult and restrictive. And if you are diagnosed with celiac disease or have a serious intolerance, you need you need the support, you need the help. So Yvonne, if we could ask you to leave our listeners with one take-home message, one food for thought today you think they could benefit from. It would have to be if you've got any symptoms from consuming foods with gluten and you haven't got a diagnosis or haven't been checked out for celiac disease, that has to be a must. Get to your GP and ask for a test for celiac disease. Like I said, it's a simple blood test and there's so many people out there who have celiac disease and aren't diagnosed. I mean, that that fact alone was something I wasn't expecting to hear. Yvonne, thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought. Absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get our podcast out there to reach those higher highs in the charts and to help more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.